my husband and I are both kind of business nerds. So, you know, some of the the books we've read, that was one that stood out to me. And I can even quote the book right now if I wanted to, but it was, let's, let's let our customers be the hero of the story. We're the guide. We don't want to be the hero of our own story. So let's figure out how our customers can be the hero, how we can provide them with an outstanding beef product that helps them live their life to the fullest. Um, so it was kind of a different mindset when we started. Uh, and then of course, thankfully, we had already had the business launched. Uh, we were already selling and we were selling online and then COVID hit. And that, that was a game changer. A whole new era of communication in the beef industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global beef industry right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to the farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Contact us for time and labor-saving solutions. Mycotoxins can threaten cattle performance. DSM offers a portfolio of solutions to help mitigate the impact of mycotoxins in your feed. Welcome to the Beef Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global beef industry. Welcome to the Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandy Buzzard, and it's my pleasure to bring you the trending issues and topics with the best and brightest minds in the beef industry. Today, we are joined by Kara Smith, co-founder of Colorado Craft Beef, a grassroots startup direct-to-consumer branded beef business. Kara got her bachelor's in animal science at Texas Tech and her master's at West Texas A&M University and has worked in many different aspects of the beef industry, from on-the-ranch production to retail marketing, and it seems like everything in between. We are excited to dig into the details with her today. So with that, we welcome you to the podcast, Kara. You bet. Thanks for having me. We are, I'm very interested to talk with you about all things direct consumer beef and, and thinking out beside the box. I was really enjoying when I was like prepping for this episode for you. So I'm really excited to, to get going. Um, to start off with though, can you tell us a little bit more about like how you got involved in the beef industry and your career path so far? I know I touched on a very small part of it in your bio, but that's definitely not all encompassing. So just tell us more kind of about how you got to this point. Absolutely. Um, like like some of us, um, I was born into it. So uh, it was one of those that that all, all roads led this direction from the beginning. I was raised on, it's at this point, it's been through five generations, uh, stalker feeder operation in Northeast Colorado. Uh, so uh, then in it from the beginning, uh, I was one of those that I, I decided to capitalize on my upbringing with my education. So from, from here, I went to, as you mentioned, the bio to Texas for my undergrad and my master's degree. I was always fascinated with the interface between cattle health and nutrition. Uh, my dad, a cattle buyer, so um, we saw a lot of things as far as calf health um, and the impact that nutrition, and of course, at, at the point where we got him on a stalker operation, there was, we were kind of playing the hand we were dealt. So we're like, but what can we do here at this stage of life with a calf? Um, so that's what I, I did my master's degree in was that interface between nutrition and health. Uh, after that, I went up to Idaho. I did uh, the beef quality assurance programs up there for a year. 
I decided that uh, the government system wasn't quite for me. So then I stepped into animal health and uh, had been there for the past 10 years until the end of last year. And then this year basically went full time into our direct consumer beef business, Colorado Craft Beef. Great. And so with that, um, you know, you're saying that you went into the direct business last year or like the beginning of this year or last year. What did you say? Sorry. So the the company we actually started in 2017. Uh, but okay. as far as my full time efforts, uh, that's been since the beginning of this year. Right. So that's where I was going is like getting a, a handle on how that started. So while I was preparing for this episode, um, you know, I was reading, you know, you're the co-founder of Colorado Craft Beef. So just, you know, what can you tell us about Colorado Craft Beef and how it, it's hard. That's a tongue twister, by the way, to say that multiple times. Um, but what can you tell that, uh, tell us about your branded beef company and how it got started? Like what drove you to want to start that, you know, and how you got to where you're at now and you, you're with it full time. Sure. Uh, that's actually twofold. So the first piece of that was in animal health, we, we go to a lot of meetings, frankly. Uh, so a lot of industry meetings and time and time again, we're having the conversation about educating a consumer, um, especially a millennial consumer, which that's um, the category that, that I fall into. Uh, so we're having a conversation around that, but I looked around the room and it wasn't as diverse, if if we want to say it that way. Um, so I, I looked around the room and we had so many conversations about how we better, you know, educate. Um, I'd rather say, you know, engage or connect with our consumers. Um, but yet we were sitting in a room of like-minded peers, frankly. Um, you know, we've grown up in the industry. We've been in the industry our whole lives. We absolutely love it. We know the ins and outs of it. But our consumer is three to five generations at this point removed from it. Um, so I was like, well, I'm in a I'm in a pretty good spot in Colorado to be able to, I guess, put my money where my mouth is, per se, and be part of the solution instead of just having the conversation about what we should do and how we should do it. Uh, so that was one of the pieces of why I was like, well, let's let's give it a shot. Let's go direct to consumer so we can have that direct line to our consumer and have these authentic conversations really connect, be able to answer the questions they have about how beef is produced and what we do on the ranch um, and all of those pieces. So that was, that was part of where it started. And then the other piece of it is uh, we, we came home to help ship cattle one summer, my husband and I did, because we were living in Idaho at the time. And uh, started raining, and we got you know one of those you got rained out. So you're standing in the in the barn talking about all things life related, I suppose. And uh, we, my husband, he's he's kind of a, a business nerd at heart. So he looked at my my dad, and he's like, "Can we run this operation the same way you can?" And he looked at us, and he said, "No." And that surprised me. And it's not due to mismanagement or anything like that, but the way that he functions the ranch right now is so siloed into his his skill set, which is incredible. Um, but you know, cattle buying is more of an art than a science, and uh, having uh, high risk calves is kind of a piece of that as well. And the the market environment has changed so much. Climate has changed. There's just many things that have changed about the way the ranch was functioning. Um, so this was our way to be able to set the ranch up to move into the next 
generation and be able to capitalize on that legacy piece of it. So we have a time and labor saving product for you. Beef and dairy agrislat by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With beef and dairy agrislat, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting and forming. To learn more, visit myhealthyfarms.com. So when you say that, um, I'm sorry, I'm taking notes as you're writing some of these things that you're providing some really great nuggets here right off the bat. Um, when you say that, you know, you asked your dad, can we run it the same way you run it? Let's dig into that. Like, were you, was, you know, was your husband referencing like doing the exact same business model that your dad does? Um, or was it like, I just, I'm, I'm curious, like what your husband meant by that. I, it was very business related. My husband's very business minded, very business oriented. Um, so he sees it as how the business functions. Um, there's sometimes the, the emotion piece of ranching may not cross paths with the business piece of ranching. I, and <laughs> my husband comes from, you know, a strict kind of business background. He comes from ag as well, but you know, business is where his mind goes. So that was the conversation he was he was having. What he was wondering about was like, from a business perspective in general, um, can we do what what he does? And even one of the comments my dad made was, "Man, a lot of the mistakes he's made, you know, or the basically the taxes he's paid for <laughs> the things that he's learned along the way." He said he's like, even in this banking climate right now, he's like. You couldn't withstand that. You know, we're, we're selling grass cattle for, you know, $2,200, $2,300 a piece versus it may have been 700 ish you know, when he had first started decades ago. Um, so the, the capital investment and um, basically the risk profile of that has changed so much that there is just that much more from from a business perspective at risk to make some of the some of the mistakes that may have been made along the way. So right. So your your father's feedback was not that like you and your husband aren't in the right mindset or skill set. It was just like it's a different climate now, and I don't I don't mean climate in the sense of the word climate. I mean like business climate. It's a different business climate now than it was when he started. So like things have changed, you would have to change also. Is that my speaking out of turn there? That was a piece of it. Okay. Absolutely. The other piece is my dad's a cattle buyer as well. Gotcha. Okay. And that is a very, like I said before, that's more of an art than a skill. Like he's perfected the skill, but the art has been honed over the past oh, 40 years that he's been doing that. And um, so that's, and that's a piece that helps with the way he runs his business. Um, so if we all of a sudden take over the operator our operation and need to have a cattle buyer to buy all the cattle and there's, it kind of takes out some of the opportunities, frankly, within the business that he can capitalize on because he is an excellent cattle buyer. Gotcha. So you have that conversation with your dad in, I'm not sure what year that is. How do you go from there to, you know, now you, you are now full-time with Colorado craft beef, like tell it, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in this, like how that start. you know, how the growing pains when you got started, do you market, um, you know, are you marketing to restaurants? Or are you doing like, you know, you're selling quarters and halves to customers, or maybe you're selling individual cuts. Like what does the business entail? 
What I'd say at a high level is we did go into the direct consumer business with a different mindset um, than some producers may have because we come from a sales and a marketing background and a business background. Um, so we, when we built the brand, we built it to be a brand that stood alone, uh, if that makes makes sense. Uh, so we invested in the branding piece of it and in all of the business side of it before we ever sold a cut of beef. Uh, so it was a it was kind of a, a longer trail, let's say, to get to where we were actually marketing beef. Um, we we put the mindset on of of what our consumer wanted. Uh, versus what we'd like to sell them. And that took a little bit, you know, it was a little bit longer road, let's say. Uh, and there were some some bumps along the way. Yeah, that's different than a lot of businesses. <laughs> yes. Um, that's, my husband and I are both kind of business nerds. So, you know, some of the, the books we've read, that was one that stood out to me. And I can even quote the book right now if I wanted to, but it was, Let's, let's let our customers be the hero of the story. We're the guide. We don't want to be the hero of our own story. So let's figure out how our customers can be the hero, how we can provide them with an outstanding beef product that helps them live their life to the fullest. Um, so it was kind of a different mindset when we started. Uh, and then, of course, thankfully, we had already had the business launched. Uh, we were already selling and we were selling online and then COVID hit and that, that was a game changer. So in a good way or a bad way, because game changing good, I mean, games can go good or games can go bad. Yes, it definitely. It's, it had its ups and downs, of course, but, um, the, the buying habits of consumer were dramatically shifted during COVID. And we saw that firsthand. I mean, we were back ordered for eight months. So that's a good problem. To have. Yeah. And it was definitely a good problem to have, but we had, you know, consumers, I still remember one in Colorado Springs, they went to Costco and there was nothing on, there was nothing in the meat case except for beyond meat or beyond beef. <laughs> and so they, <laughs> they called about every rancher they knew to see if, you know, they could find beef and uh, I'd have to say that was the first time that a lot of people in my generation have ever experienced something like that. So that was a big mindset. You know, I'm sure you're in the same boat. Like there's, there's been other generations before us that have dealt with, you know, wars and other, other things that may have had them question their food supply, but a lot of the consuming public had never dealt with something like that before. Um, so it brought a lot of people back to buying direct from the source and knowing that they had their freezer full of beef. Um, Cause thankfully, you know, we, we had, a, we have a walk in 20 feet from here. So we knew we'd be able to feed our, our two young girls, but not everybody was in that boat. Oh yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we sell freezer beef. We do not have a scaled large business with it the way that you do. Um, but we sold a few before COVID, you know, every year just, and now it's like a legitimate arm revenue uh, generating arm of our overall ranch business because people wanted that. They were looking for food because they couldn't find the grocery store. And now, you know, we have, you know, a customer base that appreciates that relationship and the beef. And, and so like we've just grown that way. And so I don't want to say that some you never want to say that a pandemic was good. So I don't mean that at all. But that was one 
you know, outcome from it. And and I'm not surprised at all to hear that you guys and your Colorado craft beef business had the exact same um, experience on a much grander scale, of course. Well, and that's, um, like I say, you don't want to say a pandemic is good, uh, but seeing a customer's buying habit shift to want to know where their food comes from, uh, I do think was was a positive piece of that. Uh, like you guys said, you're selling that much more direct. And uh, we, we say this all the time. I mean, from we're ooh, 90 minutes from two of the large processing plants in the country. Well, of course, in Colorado. So between the two of them, you know, they kill 12,000 head a day. Uh, and that's, that is a large scale compared to, you know, the small scale of what we're doing direct consumer. And, and that is one thing that when we built the, or when we started the business, you know, we built the branding is we, we said, we're never going to, you know, step on the necks of the rest of the industry to sell a product. Absolutely. I would love to, I'm applauding you right That's now. For that. One thing that we, we will drive home every day, you know, and somebody, we've actually had customers call us and be like, Hey, I buy from a ranch wherever and tell me why I should buy yours. And we're like, you shouldn't like if, if you're, that's, that's a, you're good with that product and that relationship and just keep, keep going. That's we're, we're all, we're all in this together and rising tide lifts all boats. Yes, absolutely. One thing that I will say to, you know, when, if somebody's considering doing their own direct consumer is just kind of keep, keep the bigger picture in mind as well, because we can't feed this country without all of us. Absolutely. I get really, I'm, I'm not sure how active you are on social media or anything like that, but I get so frustrated when I see people sharing the image of like the comparison of, of ground beef from like a local butcher and ground beef from the grocery store. And like one, this person is like tearing down grocery store beef or touting their own is so much better. And I just, I'm, I'm get ragey when I see that. And then I go to my Facebook page and I'm like writing a rebuttal to try to combat that misinformation. And it's just, it doesn't help us. It helps in the short term. It helps that producer, I guess, hypothetically, but it's not helping us as an industry. And so it's so refreshing to hear you say those really positive and like, I'm just so refreshing to hear that. So I'm so happy that you've said that here. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I've, I've functioned in the production side, you know, of the commercial beef industry my entire life. And part of the ranch still does. And it's a piece of the chain. And, and that was part of the, the philosophy too, behind Colorado craft beef and, uh, we've been blessed enough to build it to the scale that we have, but it's it's being able to tie all those segments of the industry together because we are so segmented in the beef cattle industry. Um, it's it's actually scary how segmented we are, uh, and everybody has their own economics that are driving that, and you know the own pieces of what they can do on their operation, etc. But if we don't have a consumer that's consuming beef, none of us have a market. Absolutely. We must always remember where it's, it, the cattle have an endpoint. They don't just, I mean, some people would say they're just for fun, but there's a point to all of it. And it starts, you know, it ends with that grocery shopper. So yeah, I'm so great to hear you say that. And that kind of goes to like what the next, you know, like my next question is, is when I was preparing for this episode and you've said it 
in like in one of your answers earlier here, you were talking about like, um, you know, you and your husband are both business nerds and that you were thinking about things differently. And so I found you had, you had mentioned succeeding unconventionally instead of failing conventionally. And so I'm just interested when you talk about that, like, is there a specific instance that you're referring to um, or is it like a generality? And how did you arrive at that? Yeah, I'd say it is more of a generality. Um, we both have been in ag in some facet our whole life. Uh, and and we have you know an inborn passion for that, but I have seen it a lot, especially you know I worked in in industry with producers for the past ten years, and there's been times that you you can ask a producer why they do something, and they'll tell you it's because of the way Grandpa did it. I I just can't you know that if that if that's still working for you, that's great, but um, I have a hard time getting behind that concept and not knowing why we are doing the things that were absolutely and there are times that it is hard to go against the grain to succeed in that unconventional fashion because it is a very traditional industry uh, there there is that mindset and um you know we've even had people that are very close to us that have not been overly supportive of the our thought process and and what we've done and where it is now um but I'd rather I'd rather go that route than just look around, you know, in 30 years and tell my kids that I'll be like, well, it was it was the hand we were dealt and that's uh, what we decided to do because that's the way we've always done it instead of, you know, taking a risk and doing something different. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. And it's again, like I said, I'm using the word refreshing a lot, but it's just refreshing to hear that. Um, I mean, doing things the way we've always done them is not in my opinion, a very good reason to do it. That's a habit. That's not necessarily a reason in my opinion. Um, so yeah, just really just applauding you from across the country here as we talk. Um, what challenges like in that mindset, you know, thinking outside the box and doing something differently because, because you can, are there any specific challenges that you have faced? I'm sure there have been, but any specific unique things you can share with us that have like that you encountered, you pivoted, you changed, and now you've come out stronger. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, business is is one of those um, <laughs> in general. So uh, some of our, our new partners in the beef company, they come from the the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world. And um, it's it's kind of a small, small community. Um, but they they use this metaphor that I love is they, they keep that mindset of, of jujitsu. You, you try something, it may not work, and you got to do something a little different, and you have to tweak it. And and they use that metaphor within business of, you know, sometimes we just got to jujitsu it and, you know, turn it on its head and do something else to to see what works and see what lands. And uh, we've, we've definitely had that. When we first went into the beef company, I thought that we would be marketing to millennial moms that were making the buying decisions at the grocery store shelves on what they were feeding their families. And um, now our biggest following, frankly, is like the barbecue world, um, 30 to 50 year old men primarily that just want a great steak to put on their grill and impress their friends. And, you know, I'm not saying that's our entire demographic, but that's it's that was something I didn't expect. So um, it's definitely shifted quite dramatically from the mindset that we started with on how we were going to market. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering, and you'll have to please tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm guessing that 
those those audiences are very different. They're looking for different things. And so I'm guessing that they also have different price points. And one group may be more willing to pay for a like more premium product than the other. Am I off base in that? Potentially. I would say the biggest thing I've observed has been the quality of the beef. Because... Um, some people may not may not know what they don't know about beef either, uh, as far as what makes a good steak. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I I think that the this demographic, the barbecue demographic, I mean, they they want fat, they want that quality that they know that it's going to cook to the nth degree. And I mean, they're they are definitely honed in on the quality of the product that they have. Um, so. That's uh that was different because we went into the beef company of I I am pro food choice and if people want to choose grass fed grass finished um, grain finished uh, whatever label you want to put on it I I support that it's it's whatever you'd like to feed your family uh, but we realized that really the demand was for that high quality product and that that finished product that is going to supply that eating experience that we love in this country and that does come with fat. So yeah, that's great. I swear. It's like, I'm talking to myself here and this is great. I just, I love the, I just, again, the applause from Kansas sent to Colorado. Um, I'm really enjoying myself here. Uh, you were talking about like reaching. Oh, actually I want to ask, are you guys doing the beef? I mean, are you, do you have a cow calf herd and then the calves you're raising them all the way through, or are you purchasing your calves from somewhere else from like a trusted cow cafford you know how is that i mean because it's different than what your dad was doing as as you said so you know what are you how are you doing that if you don't mind my asking sure so we we've actually kind of incorporated the the ranch and what we do here because in northeast colorado where our ranch is located and what our ranch is it's ideal for yearlings that's just what it is. It's ideal for summer grazing from you know April to sometimes we can stretch that into October. Uh, we really are not set up to have a cow herd and, and we don't farm. So we do not have our own cow herd. We partner with cow calf suppliers that are of like mind and you know we'll be able to help part of the craft story. And this is kind of where I started with the company was let's craft this product from the beginning. So even before conception, let's let's be able to gear genetics to the environment, but also an eating experience for a customer. I mean, all of those pieces that we know that it takes to make great beef, but also balancing the fact that each individual ranch doesn't function the same way. Um, you know, they they need to be able to to do the best with the resources they have, and we do as well. So having, you know, still the yearling operation that they run on grass here where we live and we still function in that yearling sector here in Northeast Colorado, uh, but we also are very close to feed. So we're very blessed in that. Our basis is really good. Uh, we have our own grow yard as well. And now we have our own processing plant. So we have secured the the supply chain, I guess, if we want to call it that. So Yeah. I mean, you've You've taken a lot. It sounds like you've taken a lot of the, um, oh, the potential hiccups, you know, out of it. If something were to go happen, you would be okay because you kind of have all the the chain kind of on your own, in your own control. That's fabulous. Okay. And so the next question I was, I asked you about the herd and now I, oh, was talking about, you were talking about reaching 
shoppers, you know, are you doing any, what are you doing uniquely that in terms of your marketing? Are you more, mostly word of mouth? Is it social media ads? You know, are you going to farmer's markets, which is very time consuming? You know, how are you, how are you standing above the rest of the other direct to consumer um, brands or, you know, filtering to the top to reach those grocery shoppers? Really the model that we've taken on, you know, and we've done all of those things besides the farmer's market. That was one that we're like, we just, we do not have the time to invest it's in that. so much time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have dabbled in all of the above, uh, but we've kind of found the the piece that really makes it work, especially for our brand because we've, we've built the brand to where it has the social proof now that it can kind of go fly. Um, so we've, the, the partnership that we've we've put together with other like-minded businesses that aren't in this space, but they're in the direct-to-consumer space, has helped us to be able to catapult into that. So it is more of influencer, if you want to call it, if we're going to put it into a bucket um, of people within the space, whether it's barbecue or you know people that just like really high-quality beef. Uh, and have have quite a, a following, especially on social media and their daily lives. Uh, we've been able to to penetrate that market and and be able to place ourselves as as that premium brand. Um, and piece that messaging is there's there's not too many things that are more like iconic and American than you know, a silhouette of a, a cowboy sitting on a horse with a cowboy hat. I mean, that's uh, it's one of the things that we we have in this country and, and part of, you know, the way the American West was settled and the fact that we can run cattle out here and be able to, they can still thrive and take the, the grass or the grasslands and that we couldn't do anything else with and produce a high quality protein. Um, so some of that, you know, that messaging, but tying your boat to the to the right ship as well um has has allowed us to get to this point so yeah that's great i mean it's just it you guys seem to have taken all the right risks you know like the tested all the right waters and that and it's just great to hear how successful you guys have been in terms of growing and and from where you at were when it started in 2017 i think you said to where you're at now you know six years later i think that that's just that's great and i think that a lot of people go into direct beef as a way to like quote unquote maybe get rid and i don't say that in like a negative way but like get rid of animals that maybe didn't make the cut for the stalker you know for the truck to sell off the ranch or maybe you know some people will take like a three or four year old cow that came up open and like sell that as freezer beef and you guys went into it as looking at the end product and how do we get to the nice end product rather with starting like how do we capitalize on these cattle that aren't fitting our business model and i just i just think that's really great so you know not that you you're not looking for my congratulations but congratulations well thank you so that's really great well when you're not you know building this you know successful branded beef business and out with the cattle and stuff like that you know what are you guys doing do you have any hobbies what are you doing with your family anything like that Yes. Well, we have two young girls. So I think you're in the same boat, Randy. So um, that that's definitely a, a time consuming piece of that. Our youngest just turned two and our oldest will be four in November. Yeah. Um, so they're they're busy. Uh, but 
They they love the life. Um, uh, my biggest hobby outside of it's going to be horses, frankly. So between roping or ranch rodeos, or um, I ride cow horses as well. So that's where where most of my you know additional time, I guess <laughs> per se, ends up being being spent in that. So that's great. Yeah, I uh, our kids are pretty close. I just had my daughter just turned two. The youngest one did, and then I have a six and a half year old. So I'm a uh, we're fully delved into the um, like sports now. So even like elementary kids have sports. So we're doing flag football this fall. So um, maybe you have that to look forward to. I don't know if your girls will be as obsessed with football as mine is. But um, yeah, well, that that is great um, to hear that you guys are doing that. And then your husband, is he also fully like, does he also have a, a business, like a quote unquote town job? Or are you both fully engaged, like full-time with the branded beef business? So we fully are in our array of businesses that we that we own at this point um, between, you know, taking on the, the processing facility, the direction sale beef business, um, and he does some business consulting as well outside of that. Uh, so between between the irons that we have in the fire, that, that keeps us pretty well busy and we, we both do actually roll jujitsu as well so that's uh takes up some of that time jeff's definitely more uh, deeper down that path than i am um but that's that's another piece of how we spend our time so oh you mean like the actual jujitsu like the i don't i'm like trying to do arm the, the audience can't see me but like i'm doing like arm motions i know nothing about that but that's cool that's you know something you're invested in passionate about and that's I think having hobbies off the ranch is, is, is really quite healthy. So that, um, yes, that's great. Yeah. There's times that that doesn't always happen. Um, but, and that was one that, you know, I, I played sports and did all of those things in high school, like you do in a small rural town. Uh, but the, the, the martial arts piece of that, I, I just, I do have a passion for that, especially with my young girls to teach them a skill that is going that is going to help them from, you know, a confidence level in their life. Um, so that is kind of a, a passion project um, from from what, what we teach our kids. So that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Animal health is constantly threatened by the exposure of mycotoxins in feed. The monitoring of fungal toxins has become indispensable in the feed industry and in animal production. DSM offers a range of analytical services to assess the mycotoxin contamination and solutions to combat mycotoxins. Learn more at dsm.com forward slash mycotoxin dash survey. I would love to, I could chat with you for like, I feel like another couple hours, honestly, but <laughs> that is kind of all of our time um, we do have for the day. I do have our wrap-up questions. We ask every guest the same three questions. And I gave you a heads up at these at the beginning. I used to like spring them on people at the end. And that didn't always go so well because they were just like deer in the headlights. So I've started giving you them in advance so that you can kind of have something to think of. But so the first one is, is what is your favorite beef or cattle related books or like resource? Mm. Yeah, so that is a tough one, especially as far as a textbook anymore. So much of my data is consumed with like this media of podcasts. So listening to experts in a particular field about a particular subject uh, and being an industry, the amount of time I have, I still have that Rolodex of veterinarians or nutritionists that I, I call to 
make sure I keep up to date with what's happening and, and the new things. And I, I still always say that your vet is a wonderful resource for that. So if I have some questions about things, you know, it's either call, call my vet or some of the other veterinarians that, that I know and have crossed paths, paths with um, throughout the, throughout my career. Well, that is, that they are a resource, not, not necessarily have to be a book. So they are definitely a resource. So, well, that's great. Um, all right. Now moving to the next one, what is a book, or I guess we could do a resource also that's not related to the beef industry that you're currently reading, or maybe like your favorite podcast or something, if you're not reading a book. Uh, yes, I do have a list of those. The Jocko podcast is one of my favorites. And um, that's, that's always the, the top of my list, especially, you know, business and ownership and some of those pieces of it. Um, but I'm also in the middle of Brave Not Perfect. That's that's a good book from from a mindset perspective. I think I've heard that one. I, I haven't read it, but I feel like I've heard of that. Who writes that? Oh, I couldn't remember the author off the top of my head, but um, it's it's been a good read so okay. far. I swear I've heard that before, or I've like heard that title before. So, um, okay, well, good suggestions. And then our last one here, and I'll try not to stumble over this question. When you think of someone you know who is that you look up to, what is a trait that they possess that you admire? I'd have to say grit in general. I mean, my my dad is the epitome of that. I think that that oh, I think that that is super important for I mean, particularly in agriculture, you know, grit is really important to hang on and I can see that you are getting the oh, looks a little this is that means a lot to you i can see that so i mean that that comes from the heart and that's really important so um that that speaks worlds to how much you think of of grit and of your dad so thank you for sharing that with us um that is all the time that we have for today um i so appreciate you coming on the the podcast for us today here i really do i enjoyed speaking with you so much um if people want to learn more about you or find Colorado craft beef online or to order Colorado craft beef online or just engage with you more. This is your chance. Share it with us where you can do that. And we will make sure that is in the show notes. I will type it as you're talking so that I get it exactly correct. You bet. Uh, the easiest thing is our website. So it's coloradocraftbeef.com. Uh, that'll link to all of our social channels as well. Uh, we're active on on most of them. Um, so if you have a particular platform that that you love, um, you'll be able to find us at Colorado Craft Beef. Twitter is the only one that's a little different. It's uh, C-O-L-O Craft Beef because they limit your characters. But the other ones will be all Colorado Craft Beef. Um, and you know our our direct phone number is on there as well. So if you if you call that, you're you're going to get my husband first and then you know he could he could pass the the message along um and yeah i i have my social channels too but it's it's just as easy to to be able to get in touch with the business as we're, we're the ones behind it so that's great so audience that is colorado just like the state coloradocraftbeef.com um uh kara and her husband are active on instagram and most other social media platforms but if you're on twitter you're going to look for them at C-O-L-O Craft Beef. So um, definitely go follow them, look up their great beef and, and learn more about their story. Kara, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I hope that our, our paths cross in the future and that I can, that we can 
have more of these meaningful conversations. I've really enjoyed this. So thank you again for joining us and to our audience. Thank you for joining us. And we will help. We hope that you'll join us again next week on the beef podcast.